Welcome to the Fort Lauderdale Primary Purpose Big Book Study Group Thursday Night Alcoholics and God Speaker Step Series. Let's have our joke now. Kat, would you please come up and tell our joke? Alcoholic. So what did the grape say to the elephant when it stepped on it? Nothing. It just let out a little whine. <laughs> Thanks, Kat. I'm a recovered alcoholic. My name is Kelly. Thanks for joining us tonight. In a minute, we're going to start our two-minute meditation. So please take a moment to get situated. Please turn off all devices that make noise that might or will distract others. Take this time to get connected to God. Let the craziness of the day drift away. And ask God to help you stay focused on the step study tonight. Is everybody ready? If so, let's start the meditation. If you don't know it, the words are on the screen or on the chairs behind you, or in front of you. God, let your love shine through me like a fog light, so those whom are lost, sick, and dying can find your love through me. There is a solution from the big book, page 17. The tremendous fact for every one of us is that we have discovered a common solution. We have a way out on which we can absolutely agree and upon which we can join in brotherly and harmonious action. 
This is the great news this book carries to those who suffer from alcoholism. I've asked Robert to read Appendix 2, Spiritual Experience. Come on up. My name is Robert, and I'm an alcoholic. Spiritual experience. The terms spiritual experience and spiritual awakening are used many times in this book, which, upon careful reading, shows that the personality change sufficient to bring about recovery from alcoholism has manifested itself among us in many different forms. Yet it is true that our first printing gave many readers the impression that these personality changes or religious experiences must be in the nature of sudden and spectacular upheavals. Happily for everyone, this conclusion is erroneous. In the first few chapters, a number of sudden revolutionary changes are described. Though it was not our intention to create such an impression, many alcoholics have nevertheless concluded that in order to recover, they must acquire an immediate and overwhelming God consciousness, followed at once by a vast change in feeling and outlook. Among our rapidly growing membership of thousands of alcoholics, such transformations, though frequent, are by no means the rule. Most of our experiences are what the psychologist William James calls the educational variety, because they develop slowly over a period of time. Quite often, friends of the newcomer are aware of the difference long before he is himself. He finally realizes that he has undergone a profound alteration in his reaction to life, that such a change could hardly have been brought about by himself alone. What often takes place in a few months could seldom have been accomplished by years of self-discipline. With a few exceptions, our members find that they have tapped an unsuspected inner resource which they presently identify with their own conception of a power greater than themselves. Most of us think this awareness of a power greater than ourselves is the essence of spiritual experience. Our more religious members call it God consciousness. Most emphatically, we wish to say that any alcoholic capable of honestly facing his problems in the light of our experience can recover, provided he does not close his mind to all spiritual concepts. He can only be defeated by an attitude of intolerance or belligerent denial. We find that no one need, to, we find that no one need have difficulty with the spirituality of the program. Willingness, honesty, and open-mindedness are the essentials of recovery, but these are indispensable. There is a principle which is a bar against all information, which is proof against all arguments, and which cannot fail to keep a man in everlasting ignorance. That principle is contempt prior to investigation. Herbert Spencer, Alcoholics Anonymous, pages 567-568. Please refrain from disturbing others by talking or constantly getting up and sitting back down. This is a tech-free meeting, so set your phones to airplane meeting mode or just turn them off. I'd like to now welcome Pat um, to hopefully carry a beautiful message tonight. Thank you so much for the past 12 weeks. They've been wonderful. Thank you. I'm a recovered alcoholic. My name is Pat. 
But thanks to the 12 Steps of Alcoholics Anonymous outlined in the big book of Alcoholics Anonymous, which is the program of AA, I have recovered from a seemingly hopeless state of mind and body. And for that, I'll be forever grateful. Uh, AA didn't just save my life, but it gave me one worth living. And I absolutely love my life in recovery. Love you guys. I love recovery. I love meetings. I just I love everything about uh, AA. And uh, I love talking about it. Uh, I don't necessarily like speaking, but I love talking about it. Uh, I was, uh, you know what, before I do anything, I want to thank you guys, because I'll get off on this tangent, I'll forget to thank you guys for having me down here, and I love coming to this group, uh, uh, it's, a lot of it's like speaking to the choir when I'm here, I love the page that you guys are on, uh, AA is in great hands, there's a lot of young people that are part of this group, uh, we are in great hands, uh, AA, I'm hopeful for AA's future, there was a time where I was not. <laughs> there was a time when I, when I came in here in the early 90s that I thought that, that it, uh, we were going to lose the message of AA, that we were starting to get away from the big book. I, I share with you guys a couple of times, there were some clubhouses that I used to frequent up my area. I uh, won't give any names out, uh, but uh, you know, if you wanted to share your bad day, you had you know, 40-some choices of meetings to go to in, that club, in, that, in another clubhouse. And if you wanted to study the literature of AA, there was three or four meetings that you could go to a week. And, and that trend has reversed. Uh, there are these pockets of AA that are, uh, that are on the page, that are, that, are, uh, that are studying the literature and, and studying the steps and studying the 12 of 12, the big book. And, and uh, so I, I'm really, I really love the young AA that's, uh, that's in the rooms right now. I love being a part of that. And, you know, this don't drink and don't die shit just doesn't go very far. You know what I mean? It's, uh, you want to not drink, work the program of recovery and, and recover. You know, don't just be hanging in there. That's, that's a tough place. That's a tough way to live. But, so I want to thank you guys for having me. I, I love coming here. And, uh, and thank you for thanking me, you know, because it feel like the way we end this meeting is nice because the kind words that you guys have given me over the past 12 weeks mean a lot. Uh, I, I'd like to tell you I don't care what you think, but I do care what you think, you know. Uh, I don't care like what you think, like I used to care what you think, you know, but, uh, but it still means something to me. I, you know, I'm still human, and I still love that validation that comes along with because I don't know sometimes. Sometimes, I don't know if, you, if anybody does this a lot, knows that sometimes I feel like I'm channeling, and the words just come, and it just sounds beautiful even for me. And other days, it's a struggle to get a freaking word out, you know, and I feel like none of it is making sense to me. And then afterwards, you guys say, hey, great message. That was one of your best talks. And I go, thank you, because it felt like shit up there, <laughs> you know. <laughs> and those of you that didn't like it, thanks for not sharing. <laughs> you know, but, and, no, and that's not true either, because I, you know what, I... Like I said, I do care what you think about me, but not like I used to. It doesn't show up like it used to. The way it used to show up is I would change my behavior so that you would like me, and that's not the way it shows up anymore. What it does when you tell me you don't like something I said, it allows me to inventory what I said and see if you're right or not. You know, because a lot of times I've changed my message because I say, you know what, they had a point. I should not have said that. And I shared some of that stuff with you guys along this journey where, you know, I've said some things from the podium that were controversial, and, uh, and they were divisive. And it was because somebody brought it to my attention that I stopped doing it, you know. And, uh, you know, we're about unity here. We're not about divisive. And, and, and sometimes it's hard. I mean, if you don't want to hurt anybody's feelings, don't stand for everything and don't be passionate about anything and you'll be fine, you know. But, uh, you know, sometimes I get passionate about stuff and, and 
It's a step series. It's not a big book study. You know, if we're in a big book study, I'm pretty true to the literature. But in a step series, you're going to get a lot of what I feel in my experience. And, and, and it is experiential, and I'm pretty transparent. So, you know, a lot of stuff comes out that, uh, that may not be your experience. You know, and, and that's okay. You know, we all have our, our different journey here. So I'm really grateful to be here. And, uh, and, by, and all that stuff that I screwed up the past 12 weeks, Marion's going to straighten it out starting next week, you know, and, and we'll get, you can get back on the page, you know, but, uh, but that's my thing. And so we're going to, I guess, talk about the 12th step here and, uh, tonight. And, and it, you know, we're going to talk about the miracle of Alcoholics Anonymous. It's, it's what changed my life. It was, it's, I, you know, I was transformed as a result of these steps. Uh, it's darkness to light. It's, it's, it's death to life. I mean, that's, that's how serious it was for me, you know. You know, I'm a, we're a lot of us. We're a bunch of Lazarus sitting here, you know. We're a, bunch of, we're a bunch of dead people walking who are now alive, you know, and that really was what I was. My, my life was crap, you know, and I had no idea how to turn it around. And and I, you know, I really believed that God just plucked me out of a hotel room. I mean, look, I, I never, ever considered coming to Alcoholics Anonymous until the night that I considered coming to Alcoholics Anonymous. That was just the way it is. I never thought of this as a solution to my problem. Matter of fact, I never considered stopping drinking. No, you know, never until the moment I decided to go to AA. That was, and uh, I decided, I mean, the moment I landed in AA, you know, and that was, that was just the deal. I, I mean, I quit other substances, you know, because I thought that was my problem. You know, I, yeah, I just can't do that. I just can't stay out for four days at a time. You know, that, I just need to come home once in a while, you know. And if I could just do that, everything would be fine. You know, my relationship will come back together. And I, but the alcohol... I, I had a love affair with it. I could not live without it, you know, and uh, the other stuff I was able to give up, and that part of the denial in my drink problem was that, that I was able to walk away from substances that a lot of people can't. And so, you know, I thought, you know, I could probably quit this alcohol thing anytime I wanted. I didn't know that my life depended on drinking. And I know that my life at that point depended on not drinking also, and that's a, that's a tough place to be, you know, a place where I can't stop, but I can't live like this. And, and that's really the turning point in my life. And, and that, that, the day before I came into AA, I had never considered it. And, and that, at that moment, my sister comes to mind, and I call my sister and ask my sister for help, and she's in AA. You know, and that's how I land here. I, I, and I really, in hindsight, think that, God, you've you had enough. I got a job for you. Boom. And stuck me in an AA room. You know, and, you know, and, I've, and I've had these you know, these awakenings that the 12th step is talking about. Having had a spiritual experience was the original version. Having had a spiritual experience, we carry this message to others, is the way it was originally written, especially alcoholics, and practice these principles in all our affairs. And, and I've had a spiritual experience as a result of these steps. I've had many spiritual awakenings, spiritual experiences, and transformations along the way. And, and you know, it's, it's funny. I think it's, it's, uh, it's only natural to, like, want to talk about them, right? I mean, I love when Bill, Bill's in the back of the book in, in uh, AA number three's uh, Bill Dotson's story uh, where he talks about, you know, uh, God has been so wonderful to me, removing me, relieving me of this terrible disease that I, that I can't stop talking. I just want to keep telling other people about it. And, that, and that's, that's been my experience all along, and, and maybe yours too, you know. And, and there's been many awakenings, many awakenings, and they all seem, they all seem to me uh, 
extravagant. I mean, just crazy off the scale. I remember the first time I read Footprints, right? Like, like all these little things were like transformational for me. You know, they were like, oh my God moments, you know? And, and I don't know if it was because I was just desperate. I was that drowning man seeking the life preserver. But I, it, was, it was new information to me. All of it was just new information. And you know, I wasn't hearing a lot of the big book message my first few months, in, my first three months exactly in AA. You know, I was hearing a lot of don't drink, go to meetings, and don't leave till the miracle happens. And, you know, you know, when the student's ready, the teacher will appear. And, you know, I was hearing a lot of that. So don't drink and go to Denny's. That was their mantra, you know. <laughs> and, and so, but, I was, but I was reading the literature, and not just, AA, not just AA literature, there was other literature, like footprints. I found footprints, right? I found this footprints thing, and I read that thing, and I said, oh, my God, that's freaking awesome. I got to talk about this, right? So my next meeting, I knew you guys had never heard it, you know? <laughs> and so I go, Look, excuse me, you know, because I want to share now, you know? I, wanna, I, I have something I'd like to share with the group, Right? And I got this thing called footprints, you know, and half the greeting, their hands went in their face and, you know, and there was a couple newcomers, oh, footprints, what's that? You know, and, and, and thank God you guys were so tolerant with me and you guys didn't say, hey, shut the hell up, sit down. You know, you guys let me read my footprints thing and, you know, and they clapped and yeah, thanks, Pat, for sharing that, you know, enlightenment for us. And, but I could, you know, it it's just seems natural that when we have these experiences that we want to share them, you know, that we want to talk about them. And I think that's what Bill's talking about back there. I just want to keep talking about that, you know, and acceptance prayer. When I heard, oh, my God. Hey, could I share something with you guys? Page 449 it was in, in our day, but, you know, now it's 417. Can I, I'm going to share this thing in Dr. Addict Alcoholic with you. And, like, nobody would ever read it, you know, because... Because it's new information to me, I think it's new information to you. And, and you guys tolerated it. And, you know, nice. Thanks, Pat. That's very good. You know, thanks for sharing with the group. And, but these were all life-saving stuff for me. I mean, literally. Literally. The acceptance prayer saved my life. You know, I had to believe that there was a greater plan here. I had to believe that all this crap that I was going through when I got here. I mean, I'm going through a divorce. I have a restraining order. I have an assault and battery charges. I have a lawsuit contesting the original divorce. I mean, it's just insane what's going on here. And I have to believe that there's a bigger plan here. That, that everything, that absolutely everything in God's world is for a reason. That this is all happening for a reason. That, that nothing is by mistake. You know, and, and I prayed that prayer over and over and over again. It saved my life, you know. And those were awakenings to me. Those were, you know, just turning points. You know, little things that I would pick up, little readings that I would pick up. So these awakenings were taking place early. But, but the real miracle takes place in the, in the actual program, which is the book, you know. And as the book promises, the book, you know, the, the tremendous fact is that we have a common solution here. That's the great news that this program carries. That's the great news that this book carries, that we have a common solution. Because the fact is that I've lost the power and choice in drink, that I can't bring into my consciousness with sufficient force the pain and suffering, and it says a week or a month ago, I couldn't remember the pain and suffering of this morning. I couldn't remember promising that I wouldn't drink that day. I couldn't remember that I just got out of jail and just promised a judge that if he let me out, I would never touch another drop. I couldn't remember that. I leave the Allegheny County Jail, downtown Pittsburgh, at 8 o'clock in the morning, ROR, because I just promised him I would never drink or drug again, and I'm drunk before I get home. But you, and you guys understand that. 
you know, because I was under a lot of pressure. Uh, you guys get it, right? I mean, you get it. You start, the wheels start turning, right? And, oh, shit, I got a court case now, you know. What to, when's my court date? Damn, I need an attorney. Boy, that's going to be expensive, you know. And I just need to take the edge off. And you guys understand that, you know. And then, boom, I'm off on a run again. I just forgot, you know, that they're going to drop me in 30 days, you know. And I better be clean or I'm going back to jail, you know? The great fact is just this and nothing less that we've had deep and effective spiritual experiences. They've revolutionized our lives. Central fact of my life today is that God has entered my heart in a way which is indeed miraculous, lives in a way which is indeed miraculous, and commences to do for me what I could not do for myself. And what I could not do for myself is stay stopped. I couldn't stay stopped. Regardless of the consequences, I'm the real alcoholic. I was given sufficient consequences and I couldn't stay stopped. You know, I was facing jail, I was facing divorce, I, I lost custody of my oldest son. You know, I was facing sufficient consequences and I couldn't stay stopped. And this program brought me to a point where I could stay stopped. You know, the miracle for me happened in step five. You know, as a result of my fifth step, I had an absolute amazing spiritual experience, which I shared with you guys, the whole world. It, was, it, it really, truly was from blind to sight. For me, it really was. I saw the world for the first time. I mean, I couldn't, maybe I did as a child, I just don't remember. I mean, I picked up a drink at 16, and for the next 20 years, you know. It's a nice song. (laughs) For the next 20 years, I drank and used other substances like my life depended on it because my life did depend on it. You know. And then here I am, and I have this spiritual experience. You know, and I don't have the desire to pick up. I shared that I would come out of that, I shared my fifth step with a priest. And I came out of that office, and I saw palm trees for the first time. I had been in, this, I had been in Florida since 1980. That was 1991. You know, I saw palm trees for the first time. I looked around and said, my God, this is the greenest planet I've ever seen in my life. You know? And I'm going down to Sawgrass Expressway. I'm thinking my sunglasses are playing a trick on me. I'm taking my glasses. Jesus, there's trees everywhere. You know? You know? I saw my first sunset that night. I shared with you guys. I looked at the toll booth lady. I said, look at that. She said, what? I said, look at that. And she says, yeah, it's a sunset. It's there every night. You know? I hadn't seen it. I had been in Florida for 12 years. The blind sea truly a miracle, absolute miracle, undeniable, undeniable. You know, and all I had to do was jump from the bridge of reason to the shore of faith. All I had to do was take this leap of faith, and all I had to do was believe that you believed, because I didn't know if that was going to happen for me. I couldn't imagine something was going to take that obsession away from me. It was going to relieve me of that bondage. I could not imagine that I was going to do this drastic, these drastic proposals, because they are drastic. And I was looking ahead. I saw confession up there. I saw restitution up there. I saw inventory up there. Who wants to do that? Your life would have to depend on it. You know? But I was desperate enough to try anyway. And that day, the proof of the unseen manifested itself in my life. You know? And I've been there. I've, I'm, I, you, know, you, become, you go you know, from the practicing agnostic to a believer. I mean, how could you not? 
How could you not believe when something like that takes place? Now, not everybody has it there. Some have it at nine. Some have it as a result of practicing 10, 11, and 12 in their lives. You know, they, they continue walking the spiritual path. What's it say? They just read it, sometimes quickly, sometimes slowly. You know, sometimes an awakening, sometimes an experience. You know, I had an actual experience in five. You know, but I've had a lot of awakenings, and I've had a lot of awakenings from there. And, and the real, I, I shared with you guys last week that, that I had this separation, and there was a, a void that came together. I had, there was this separation all my life between me and God. There was this separation between me and you. And conscious or not, you know, I think maybe in, in my younger days, I, I consciously separated from God. You know, we talked about on page 423, it talks about the difference between alcoholics and non-alcoholics. You know, alcoholics, if they can't meet their goals, they lower their goals. You know, non-alcoholics can't meet their goals, they change their behavior. You know, we lower our standards to meet, to bring them where we are. And at some point, I consciously separated from God. I, and, and, and I really believe it's always, that separation was always there. That's the way I believed in God, even as a child, that there was me and God. You know, there was, I was here and God was there. And God kind of looked like this long-haired hippie guy with a long white robe, had a staff, I think. You know, if I picture what I, you know, long, a beard for sure, white guy from the Middle East. I don't know how that happened. You know, <laughs> pretty sure he was dark-skinned and curly hair. But that's what I pictured. I pictured a Moses-looking kind of guy, you know. And when I prayed, there was a separation between me and God. And, it, and, it, and there was always this separation between me and you. You know, I, I think that's kind of a common thread with alcoholics and addicts. We're like, we're alone in a crowd. You know, I'm on a baseball team, but I feel separated from the rest of the team. You know, I'm, I'm in class, but I don't feel part of the class. There was always this separation. There was always me and then you. There was always me and then God. And this program brought those together. I know, I believe today that I am part of God. God is part of me. You know, I am part of this fellowship. I became part of something. Instead of apart from something, instead of apart from God, apart from this fellowship, I became part of both. I became part of something. And the, and the miracles, I mean, one of the awakenings that I had in this book was that paragraph, and we agnostics, where it talks about deep down within every one of us is the fundamental idea of God, blocked by ego, blocked by the worship of other things, blocked by the voices justifying my behavior, you know, calamity, ego, pomp, worship of other things, you know. Blocked by that, but deep down within every one of us is the fundamental idea of God. And I think if, if, when I really examined myself, I couldn't deny that. Call it your conscience. Call it your soul. Ben, ben T. always used to say that. I stole that from him years ago. I don't know why I'm still giving him credit for it. You know, I should just make it mine. You know, but he, he says the soul, the part of you that knows that it knows that it knows. You know, even what I can tell you whatever I want to tell you, but deep down within me, I know the truth. You know, the God within, conscious, the soul, right from wrong, knowing right from wrong. Call it whatever you want. That was an awakening. Of course God lives deep down within every one of us. And if that's the case, I came in here with everything I needed. All you guys did for me with an inventory and a confession and restitution is remove the things that were blocking me from that sunlight. That God has always been there. And, I, and when I really examine myself, I know that to be true. Because I had guilt and shame and remorse in my life. 
But alcohol would fix that. You know, alcohol gave me permission and alcohol gave me absolution afterwards. Yeah. As soon as I started feeling that guilt and that remorse and that shame, give me another drink. You know, give me a bottle of Windsor. Give me a couple of them beers. You know, and I'd go on my merry way. But that stopped working. You know, I, I really believe that alcohol interrupted my suicide at a young age. You know, I don't know if I could have lived much longer had I not found alcohol. And I got to that place again where alcohol stops working. And now I found a power greater than alcohol as a result of the steps. And that's what I needed. I, power greater than me, I mean, kind of, but I need a power greater than that. Because that's some powerful stuff right there. That's some life-changing stuff right there. I had an experience at 16 years old when I went through that bottle of Boone's Farm, Strawberry Hill. You know, I became a part of something. Right? I became a part of that crowd. I had been a part from all my life up until that bottle of Boone's Farm. You know? But then it stops working, and then you're in a, you're in a quandary. <laughs> you know? And that I can't stop talking about. I can't stop talking about what these steps have done for me. You know? And I think it's natural, right, that we carry the message, right? It's like we can't help but carry the message. <laughs> I can't help but tell people about it. You know? and, and it's not just alcoholics. When, when the 12th step was written, when it talked about you know, carrying the message to others, it's the message of God's love. It's the message of God's power. You know, not necessarily the message of recovery from alcoholism. Yeah, that's, that's a bonus for me. That's a bonus. But we could carry this message into a lot of people's lives. Yeah. especially if we work this program the way it's outlined and, and when I'm working this I'm wondering how I can be helpful to everybody when I'm working it it talks about that in the fourth step right? Resentment. what do we do when we resent somebody? we pray for them what do we do when we're in fear? we pray you know? what do we do about our relationships? we pray you know? we pray for the right ideals you know? when it gets troublesome what do we do? we help others you know? it's all about that it's all about how can I be helpful, not just to alcoholics and addicts. I love talking to alcoholics and addicts, though. Because you get me, I get you. you know? And I, I just, it's just natural to talk about it. It's just natural to want to talk about it you know, and carry that message. That's the message we carry. Having had a spiritual experience as a result of these steps, we carry this message. What message? Having had a spiritual experience as a result of these steps, we carry this message. What message? Having had a spiritual experience, we carry that message. That's the message of Alcoholics Anonymous. You know, that we've had deep and effective spiritual experience as a result of these steps that have solved our problem. And that's the message. There is no other message in AA. You got a lot of experience, you got a lot of stories, and it starts with the story. It started with the story for me. I mean, speaker meetings are, if you don't think speaker meetings are important, this book has 43 speaker meetings in it. Not to mention some other stories stuck in the middle. You know, Harry Brick, Ralph W., Man of 30, the Jaywalker, which is, by the way, what everybody sees us like. You know, that's what the rest of the world says. Damn, stop jumping out in front of cars, man. You know, that's how they see us. Yeah. Lots of stories in that book. It's all speaker meetings are important. Yeah. I identified in those speaker meetings. Yeah, that happened to me. Yeah, I did that. Yeah, I felt like that. And boom, you're in. Yeah. We get it. We talk. You guys get me. I get you. That's the magic. 
That's the, that's the you know, when the, when the psychologists and the psychiatrists that I were seeing and the clergy were telling me they knew how I felt, I knew they did not. No, you don't. You know, oh, no, I know how you feel, son. No, you don't. No, you have no idea how I feel. Non-alcoholics don't know what it feels like to take a drink because I think my life depends on it. I can't feel like this for one more effing second. I need relief. And regardless of the consequences, one of my favorite lines in the documentary with Bill's story is, it's as if a black curtain comes down between me and the consequences, between me and the truth. When I'm in that place where emotionally I can't handle life for one more second, it's life and death to me. It's life and death. I need relief. They don't know what that feels like. You know what it feels like to take a drink against your own better judgment? You know what it feels like to take a drink knowing you're going to go to jail? You know what it's like to take a drink knowing your wife's leaving you if you pick up the drink? But you can't not drink? They don't know what that feels like. Lesser one of us. But when I tell you my story, you go, oh yeah, I know how you felt and I know you do. I know you do. And that's the gift. That's our gift. That's what we have that nobody else has. That's the life-saving message that we have that nobody has. How cool is that, that my, my character defects become my greatest asset? <laughs> how great is it? Where else does that happen? That my brokenness becomes my gift, you know? <laughs> shared brokenness, shared defects become assets. They unlock you. They, unlock, they allow you to share yours. We start swapping war stories. That's where it starts. That's the magic. Yeah? Let me tell you what happened to me. You know? Oh, yeah, I did that too. What happened? Tell me the story. And as soon as you see them go, oh, yeah, I did that. Oh, yeah, I felt like that. Oh, yeah, that happened to me too. We got them. Boom, said it. Reel them in. They're one of us. And that's what we have that nobody else has. I, you know... I'm constantly amazed that, that's, that that has become my gift, that God has used my brokenness to help other people. And it's happened all through history. If you look, one of my favorite, favorite characters in the bigger book is Paul. I mean, just my favorite person in, in history. Most broken man I've ever read about in history. I mean, an absolute murderer. Yeah. And God decides to use him to probably write most of the bigger book. <laughs> You know, in prison, by the way, never recanting the spiritual experience he has in the desert. You know. And he speaks to me specifically. See, I didn't know that. I didn't know that growing up. I thought I was unique. I thought I had this, this I was broken and nobody else was. You know, I thought I was the only one. I wish somebody would have told me that everybody was broken in some way, shape, or form. Some broken more than others, some broken differently. But there are no perfect people on this planet. You know, we're all broken. We all suffer from some kind of defect of character. Everybody that wrote that book was broken. God has always picked the broken to help the broken. And we get to do that. I get to do that. You know, and that's that's kind of like how my recovery has evolved. You know, I had to be here at the beginning, and then I realized that I needed to be here. I didn't want to be here for a while. This is a tough sell. You know, this is really a tough sell, especially when they tell you this is a way of life. Oh, you're kidding me. Freaking Denny's every night? You know, 
Is that what you guys do for fun is go to Denny's? You know, I mean, I used to sit in Denny's every night going, this can't be true. This just can't. This can't be my life, you know. What do you do for fun? They go, well, we go get ice cream once in a while, you know. You still have some sober dances. Gratitude dinner. We have a gratitude dinner coming up. You know, oh, shit, you know. I had no idea until I experienced the miracle that happens, the transformation that takes place as a result of these steps. And you can't even, I don't even know how to describe it. You know, I don't even know how to describe the presence of God. I don't even know how to, I mean, the closest I can come maybe to describing God is light, love, you know. Uh, and that's kind of where I'm at with, with, with life in general, you know, with my belief system in general is that, that, it's, that everything is, is light, you know, everything is energy, you know. That's an amazing concept, by the way. It kind of revolutionized my spirituality where, where there is no beginning and no end to energy. And energy cannot be created or destroyed, which kind of puts me on this, in this dimension forever, like in, for eternity. You know? And maybe not this dimension, but another dimension. If everything on this planet, including me, is pure energy and there's no beginning and no end to energy then I'm here forever. Maybe not in this form, maybe not in this dimension, but in some dimension. It makes it a little bit more palatable when you're starting to believe in a higher power, when you're starting to believe in the God of my understanding, that maybe it isn't the long-bearded white guy that I was looking at in the sky. And who cares? Who cares? It's been proven to me. I can't prove it to you, but it's been proven to me. Who cares? All I know is that God has manifested himself in my heart and lives in a way that's indeed miraculous. And commences, continually does for me what I can't do for myself. I haven't thought about picking up a drink for a long time. That's not true. I haven't obsessed about picking up a drink for a long time. My mind will always reach back to that moment halfway through that bottle of Boone's Farm. It was just such an amazing moment, <laughs> you know, that it will always remember that moment, you know, in crisis, in crisis. I mean, when I say crisis, like I stub my toe and I say, is that Vicodin worthy? <laughs> you know, no, no, I think an ibuprofen will fix that, you know, but for a moment there, you know. But I know the truth in it, and that's what sanity is, and I know the truth. I know where that's going. You know, I know that lie. That's, a, that's an absolute lie, that that is not a solution, you know, that that's a solution that takes me down a road that becomes a real problem, you know, and that's being restored to sanity is to know the truth before I pick up a drink or a drug. And I found the same relief in the spirit that I found in, found in the spirits, the same relief. Instead of turning to the, drunk, the drugs and the alcohol, I turn to God. And I get the same solution. I get the same relief now. You know. But who do you, how do you prove? How do you, you know, how do you sell that to the newcomer? You know, that's a tough sell. You have to be in, you have to have hit an obstacle. You've had to hit an insurmountable obstacle and you've had to admit that it's insurmountable. You have to be in that place to even buy into our solution here. Right? I mean, you have to be desperate. And that's a gift. You know, Pete talks about it. That's a gift, you know. To be in a place where there's no way out. To be in a bottom. 
William James talks about the two requirements for a spiritual experience, right? There's no requirement for membership in AA, but there's some requirements for a spiritual experience. And one of them is that you've got to be face a defeat, <laughs> you know? And the other one is you've got to admit it. Because <laughs> a lot of us face defeat. A lot of us are facing an insurmountable obstacle, but we don't admit it. You know, for some, there's this lurking notion that somehow, some way, someday, I'm going to be able to control and enjoy this thing, the great obsession of every abnormal drinker. You know, until, we, until we come to that truth, until we come to that place where we're the drowning man reaching for the life preserve. I'll do anything. And we've heard that before, too. You know, I'll do anything. All right, meet me Saturday. Saturday. <laughs> Saturday. I had a guy actually say to me, that's Halloween Eve. Okay. <laughs> I went, is there such a thing? <laughs> is there a Halloween Eve? <laughs> Saturday. Call me when you're done. You know, call me when you're done. We're willing to do anything. Take me to detox and get to detox. I think I overreacted. You know? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Never mind. I'll figure this out. Yeah. But there's requirements, right? Facing an insurmountable obstacle, admitting it, and then appealing to a power greater than human power for a solution. Those are the requirements for a spiritual experience. And then you're willing to seek the solution of whatever we tell you. Then you're willing to do whatever they say. You're willing to do whatever they tell you to do. And that's where I was. I was willing to do whatever they told me to do. You know, I'm about you know, 90 and 90. I was a 270 and 90 guy. I was afraid to be anywhere else. I know, they used to keep me at Denny's till 2, 3 in the morning. I was afraid to drive home. They'd fill me with ice cream sundaes and milkshakes, and I'd be so bloated I wouldn't want to drink on the way home. You know? and I didn't know what they were doing, but that's what they were doing, you know? just keeping me busy so I wouldn't get high when I'm on my way home. You know? That's this fellowship. I became a part of something. I'm a part of this. I'm not apart from this anymore. I'm a part of it. I was that guy that sat in the back row for a long time. And then I experienced what you guys have to offer here, and I couldn't. You know, I, I don't even like I say it's it's a hard thing. It's 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 like describing what water feels like. You know, it's like it's like describing what a rose smells like. You know, how do you explain a spiritual experience? I read something once that said the closest thing I could come to explaining. I don't even know who said it, or, or it was like an anonymous thing uh, to explaining what God feels like is a child. Alone in the house versus a child in the house knowing their mother's in the other room. You know, and that kind of does it. You know, it was I was alone and apart from for so many years, and now I'm a part of, and God is a part of me, and I have that solace, I have that comfort with me all the time, no matter what fear I'm feeling. Fear has not gone away in my life, but I've been able to walk through it because I've got this power working in my life now. I can appeal to that power whenever I want. I, I'm, I'm constantly in conversation with that power. Constantly. I'm constantly appealing to it. You know, it's my life depends on it. My sanity depends on it. I don't want to just be hanging in there. You know, I don't want to be that guy. How you doing? Hanging in there. You, know? you deserve more than that. You, know, you, don't, you shouldn't be just hanging in there. How you doing? Man, life is... I'm blessed. I'm absolutely blessed. And my life has those roles. You know, I told you last week, I said, you know, my life isn't Mount Everest, Death Valley anymore. You know, my, it's like a slow roll. <laughs> you know, it has its ups and downs. But nothing that I can't handle with the power of God in my life. There's absolutely nothing. 
And that's, that's the message that I want to carry. But it's... It was, uh, I, heard, I was reading something the other day, and a, a, the teacher asked the child, you know, what do you think of God? And the child said, God's not a thought, it's a feeling. You know? And that's something that's indescribable. I remember coming in here and, and hearing somebody say they had a life beyond their wildest dreams from the podium. I said, dude, you're delusional. <laughs> you're in AA. <laughs> you, you know, you don't even know where you're at. <laughs> yeah. You don't even have a car. <laughs> And I think you're single. Like, what are, you, what are you freaking talking about? You know, you got nothing. In the real world, you are nothing. And that's really what my attitude was when I landed here. I didn't get it. Because I had been so validated all my life by, by people and things. That's what made me worth. I was worth what you saw me driving. That's what I was validated by. I was validated by what was on my arm. You know, and I just wanted you to think I was sleeping with her. I didn't want to sleep with her. That was scary. You know, I just wanted, I just wanted you to think I was sleeping with her. That's all. You know, and I would do anything to get people to like me. I just wanted to be part of something. You know, and now I know that's just not what. That's just not who I am. You know, it's not about finding the right person. It's about being the right person. You know, it's not the things that make me happy. Happiness just seems to bring those things along. You know, I'm blessed by those things. And I'm not telling you I don't like nice things. I'm not telling you I don't love my wife. I love that stuff. But I could live without it. I would be just fine without it. There was a time where that's not true. I was going to talk, I was going to mention the ice cream truck, but I don't know how many people were here when I told the ice cream truck story. You know, don't become the ice cream truck. And I'm going to let a lot of you leave going, what the, what was he talking about? (laughs) Don't become the car. Don't become her. Don't become him. You know, get something in your life to fill the hole rather than him or her or it. You know, because you'll never do it. You'll never fix it. If you're the real alcoholic and addict, there's no good reason to stay clean and sober. (laughs) I've had many. I've had many good reasons. And And the feeling that I got from alcohol and drugs trumped all those reasons. And I needed to find a power that was going to fill that hole that was, that was bigger and more powerful than alcohol. And I was able to find that here. Yeah. And the trick is, you know, the, the last part of that, and, and by the way, the, the 12-step call, I mean, just real quickly, touching on 12-step call, the, the working with others hits it on the, on the nail on the head. It sounds a little dated when you start reading it because we don't have to search for alcoholics and addicts anymore. They come to us. That's brilliant. You know, if you can't find any, you're not looking. You know, go to more meetings. They're all over. There are newcomers all over that need help. There are, you know, there are old timers in the rooms that need help. <laughs> you know, we always say, is anybody new and, going, uh, new and coming back? We should mention, is anybody old and going out? You know, there's a lot of freaking old timers in here hanging in there that need you in their lives. They need a spark in their lives. They need somebody that's on fire with this message, just if nothing else to follow them around. They might not have the eagle to ask you to sponsor them, but follow them around and light a fire. You know, there's a lot of people, a lot of old timers in these rooms just hanging in there. How you doing? I'm hanging in there. You know, three meetings today. You know, <laughs> got another couple hours. Should make it to another 24. You know, it's not what this is about. You know, I love this program. I love my life today. But the 12-step calls is really cleared out. And it talks about 
just the way the book is lined out. Talk about the components that make up alcoholism. Talk about the, the obsession of the mind and talk about the allergy of the body. Tell them your story. Let them tell theirs. Right? Page 91. Right? Tell them your story. Let them tell their story. Tell some tragically funny stories to each other. Right? I mean, the rest of the world thinks they're tragic. We think they're funny. You know? Talk about how we smashed the cars and went through people's lives like a tornado. And they start talking about theirs and we got them. And then we talk about why we couldn't stay stopped. And some examples of why we couldn't stay stopped. We talk about why once we started we couldn't control the amount we drank. We talk about the obsession and the allergy. And we swap stories. And if they're buying in, if they're convinced they're one of us, the two questions which they ask four times in our book... You know, if when you honestly want to stay stopped, you find you can't because of the obsession of the mind, and once you start, you can't control the amount you take because of the allergy of the body, then it says you're probably alcoholic. Just because we don't label anybody alcoholic, they have to come to that. So, but if you can't stay stopped and you can't control the amount of time, you're one of us. Have a seat. Right? And you know what? I'll even give some of you guys like one DUI. I'll, I'll even give you two DUIs, right? You're, uh, you're bad choice. You drank when you drove. You got one. All right, you're really unlucky. You got two, right? If you got three, have a freaking seat. You're in, you know? If you've given up a marriage, you're in. Normal people, when their wife says they're leaving, when they, if they don't stop, they stop. It's not that damn important to them. Their relationship is more important. I'll give you one bad marriage. Okay, all right, you're, on, you're really a bad picker. I'll give you two. Three, it ain't, it ain't them, you know? It's you. <laughs> you're not getting along with anybody at work. It's not them, you know? If you keep getting fired from the jobs, I'll give you one or two, but three, you're, it's not them. It's you. You're in. Tell them the solution we've found. Stress the spiritual feature freely. It does not say, don't talk about the God thing. Don't scare them out. Nowhere in our book does it say that. We're talking about a 12-step call. On a 12-step call, at the first meeting, stress the spiritual feature freely. Let him choose his own conception of God. That's the only caveat. Let him choose his own conception. Let him come to that conclusion himself. Outline the program of action. Tell him what we had to do. Inventory, confession. Repentance, restitution, helpfulness to others, belief in a dependence upon God. Tell them what the program's about. They did all that on the first visit. We don't have to do it that way anymore because we got people coming to meetings. But that's the order and it's done. And it's the same order as the book. Doctor's opinion, problem. Bill's story, experience, strength, and hope. Chapter 2, the solution. Chapter 3, what happens if you don't find a solution? Chapter 4, a lot more ways to find a solution. A bigger doorway to walk through. And then 5, 6, and 7 is the program of action. Let him know you're available. If he wants to make a decision, do step 3 and tell his story, do step 5. You know? And walk him through the steps. I mean, it's really a simple, a simple program to take people through the steps. The book is outlined as a 12-step call. And, you know, and this is just my opinion. I don't, it wasn't designed to do slowly. It was designed to do quickly. You know, we have a workshop that we do. We, we, we take them through, I think, kind of slow. We do it in five weeks. You know, we take people through all 12 steps in five weeks. And if you can't do five one-hour meetings and do an inventory in between, 
a couple of those meetings, then you're not done. You know? I mean, that's like, we want me to sponsor you. That's a requirement. You need to do those five meetings in a row and do a fourth and fifth step between week two and week four. You know? And if you can't do that, then you're not desperate enough. You know? Now, there's, I've made a couple of exceptions, not many. You asked me, <laughs> right? That's what I have to remind my sponsees all the time. Wait, you asked me. Well, that's damn inconvenient Tuesday night. That's, you know, I got other stuff I could be doing. Yeah, you asked me. Yeah. There's a lot of guys that are maybe available on different nights, and maybe there's some guys that, are, that can sit down with you one-on-one and take you through every word in that book. You know, I do big book studies all over the place. Attend my big book study if you want to go through it word for word. Yeah. But if you want to go to the steps, that's a requirement. And I'm telling you, anybody that wants to go to the steps, see me after this meeting. I will take you through the steps. But you've got to attend that Tuesday night meeting. There's five of them. It's five hours and whatever time it takes you to do steps four and five. You know? And that's the deal. I'm available. I never say no. You know? But you've got to follow me. <laughs> I'm not chasing you. <laughs> you know, it's just the deal. Yeah. I think Pete and I had a conversation one night. I was talking to him. I said, do you ever feel like you don't have enough time for these guys? And I, and I, you know, because I think I'm, I'm like stressing out. Like, I just don't have enough time to see all these guys that I'm smiling. He said, yeah, all the time. <laughs> you know, and it, it, it was kind of a relief. And then we were talking, Ben was speaking that night, and Ben talked about this, this, uh, uh, this what did he call it? Uh, design, divine dissatisfaction. This divine dissatisfaction where you get to a place where you want to do more. You want, you, want to re, you want to do more for the program. You want to do more for people. You get to a point where it's not about living life on, on life's terms. It's about living life on God's terms. And that shows up differently. Living life on life's terms. Well, I don't have everything I want, but I'm okay. You know, I'd like another different car, but I'm okay. I, I don't really like my job, but I'm okay with it. You know? Life on God's terms is I need to do more. How can I help more people? You know, how can I be more available for these? How can I grow spiritually? You know, it's about constant growth, this, this constant need to expand our knowledge of God and, and the kingdom of God. You know, we've gotten a glimpse of it. I've gotten a glimpse of the kingdom of God through this program. And that's all I really got so far is a glimpse. And I've been around for a while, but I've gotten a glimpse of it. And I want more of it. That's divine dissatisfaction. You know? So it's okay. That I don't feel like I have enough time. You know, I do what I can do. You know? And I try to practice this. I try to practice these principles in all my affairs. You know, one of the, nice, one of the reasons why I thank you guys for letting me do this, because you know, doing these step series, uh, as much as I'd rather do a big book study, uh, it's exposing. You know, it, it, it defines my recovery a lot of times. It, it's... Uh, Many times I've gotten here and I've shared with some crazy shit that I've been doing all day, or you know, or what's been going on in my week. It hasn't didn't look exactly spiritual that week. And and the, and the thing about doing a step series is that uh, it makes me examine my program constantly. You know, it's and it's and it's and you can't be a hypocrite up here. <laughs> you know, you're under a microscope up here. You know, people are watching. And if you don't want to be watched and you don't want to be judged, don't do this, you know, because people are watching you when you leave these. The other 23 hours, people are watching, you know, 
you know, somebody who's listening to my wife, she's, you know, she hears me speak. She hears the podcasts and stuff. She's, she's checking me out, you know. You know, she has no problem taking my inventory, you know. Weren't you just talking about this divine dissatisfaction last night? <laughs> Hypocrisy gets drunk. Hypocrisy gets high. You can't be a hypocrite in this program. It's, it's self-cleaning. That's the beauty of Alcoholics Anonymous, right? It just like flushes once in a while, and you wonder where people go, you know? And some of them have time. You know, some, I mean, I've seen people 15 years, 20 years go out, you know, and you wonder what the hell happened, you know, and maybe we drift, you know, and this, this keeps me centered. I, you know, you guys call me on my stuff the people that I'm around call me on my stuff. My sponsor calls me on my stuff more than I would like, you know, but, uh, I'm constantly accountable and this kind of stuff keeps you accountable. You know, it, it keeps you on the page. And I realize when I'm not on the page. I think I shared with you guys about my, uh, yeah, I did. I think last week about the 11th step, right? I used to do an 11th step inventory every night, and I got away from doing it, right? But I had all my guys doing it, you know? And they were sending me these inventories all night. So one of the new guys that I was sponsoring, I said, so what we're going to do now, now that we're 11th step, I want you to start doing a nightly inventory. I'm going to give you this form, put it in Word, and then email it to me every night or take a picture and text it to me every night. And he goes, do you do it? And I said, of course I do it. I started, started that night. <laughs> Again. <laughs> Kidding me? Why would I tell you to do something I don't do? Right? Son of a gun defined my recovery for me right in that moment. Right? But got me back, got me doing it again. You know, I mean, I'm pretty religious about it now. I'm doing it again. I don't want to do something, not do something that I'm telling other people to do. You know? So, I mean, the deal is, what am I doing the other 23 hours? Am I practicing these principles in my workplace? Am I practicing this at home? You know, am I practicing this with my family? You know, that's the trick, right? What am I doing the other 23 hours? You know, am I working 10 and 11 the other 23 hours? And I try. I get off track here and there. But I'll tell you what, this program reels me back in. And the people around me help me reel back, get reeled back in, you know. And I try to stay on that page, and I know exactly when I'm not because I'm not feeling good when I'm not, and I'm feeling good when I do. You know, I really believe that, uh, that God manifests himself in my heart when I'm practicing these principles, and when I'm not, he don't. I block them. I block them off, you know. I believe it's a, it's a result of principles applied. You know, my relationship with God is a result of me applying these principles in my life. And, and I try to do that. I, I catch myself all the time. One of my favorite stories, and I'll end with this because I know we're out of time. I could probably talk about this step for another hour. But, you know, one of my favorite stories early in recovery, which I'll never forget, and it keeps me accountable all the time, is my sponsor, who was Brian, when I first came into this program, told me he was going out to Sawgrass Expressway. He was getting ready to go through the toll booth, and this guy in his van cuts him off going through the toll booth. And he is livid. He is pissed that this guy cut him off. This is before sun pass. And the van takes off down the sawgrass, and he takes off after the van, right? And I said, I don't know what I'm going to do when I catch this guy, but I am freaking furious, right? And the closer I get to the van, he says to me, the more it looks like your van. And I realize that I'm chasing my sponsee <laughs> down the sawgrass expressway to kick his ass, you know? And I backed off, and I never forgot that story. And I drive with an AA symbol on the back of my vehicle. I have an AA symbol on my chain. And if I'm not going to represent this program, I should rip that shit off. 
you know, and I constantly think about that when I go into that moment of I want to tell somebody on the road how good their driving is or tell them they're number one, you know, and I, and I remember this guy could be in the program and I have literally chased some of my sponsees into a meeting and, and one of my biggest fears is to be standing here talking about spiritual principles and have somebody I just flipped off in a car sitting in the front row here going, yeah, you're working this real good, pal. You know, So you, we must remember that we represent AA. I represent another fellowship, too. I have a fish on the back of my truck, too. You know, And I represent a couple of fellowships. So if I'm not going to represent those fellowships uh, properly, I should rip that stuff off of my van. You know, But we may be the only big book that somebody ever sees. You know, and the reason I have them on my train because I love when somebody knows what it is. There's just such a bond created when somebody goes, dude, you in recovery or you walk into somebody's house and there's a big book sitting on a table. You know, or somebody sees my chain and going, dude, is that a circle and triangle? I love those moments, you know, because there's this immediate bond that takes place right there. And we have these great conversations, but I better represent them, you know. So thank you so much for the last 12 weeks. I really enjoyed being here. See you on down the road. Let's thank Pat again. Now let's have Ryan for our secretary's report. Hi, my name is Ryan. I'm a recovered alcoholic secretary. In keeping with the seventh tradition, which states that every group shall be fully self-supporting, declining outside contributions, the baskets are now going around. And I've asked Jerry... Uh, to read the recovered statement. We read this notice to explain why many people in this group identify as recovered rather than recovering and what it exactly means to be a recovered alcoholic. Hi, my name is Jerry. I'm an alcoholic. Uh, Recovered. We are not cured of alcoholism. Recovered, but not cured. That presents a conflict to some alcoholics. If we are cured, we would be able to drink responsibly. No. We are not cured. This allergic reaction to alcohol will remain with us for our our lifetime. But we have been restored to sanity. That was the problem. The main problem of the alcoholic centers in his mind rather than his body. We are now sane where alcohol is concerned. Consequently, we have recovered. Thank you. Nineteen forties style big book sponsorship from forward to the second edition of Alcoholics Anonymous. Of alcoholics who came to AA and really tried, 50% got sober at once and remained that way. 25% sobered up after some relapses, and among the remainder, those who stayed on with AA showed improvement. What we've seen, felt, come to believe, and experience is that God has not changed over time, and neither should the sacred approach back into his loving arms. The statistics above suggest a 75% success rate. Can I see a show of hands of recovered alcoholics? Nice. And then, is there anyone in the room that needs a sponsor? If you could raise your hand. Okay. Well, if anybody was too shy to raise their hand, uh, just see one of the people that raised their hand earlier, and they can help get you back to God. Um, And then this is the last meeting of this month. So anyone celebrating a year or more, uh, stand up. Is anybody celebrating a year or more? Anyone? In December? No? Okay. Okay. 
Well, if you were too shy to raise your hand, you can tell us later. Oh, we got Alan over here. Oh, okay. All right. What's your name? I already said it. Yes. Yes. Awesome. Uh, please join us Monday night's Big Book Study Meeting where the Big Book comes alive. Fellowship is at 6.30 and the Big Book Study starts at 7.15. We have CDs, mugs, large print Big Books, little red books, and Big Book dictionaries for sale um, on the table in the back. And we have announcements also. Um, Broward County Intergroup, if you're looking for literature, medallions, uh, there's information on their office hours and how to get in touch with them. Volunteer opportunities, service keeps you sober, so if you're looking for a way to give back, got a couple up there. Um, this is a meeting list, uh, December 31st and January 1st. This is just a list of uh, where there's available meetings to get to. There's also copies of that in the back. Um, AA's Got Talents coming up in February. It's not much time, so dust off the tap shoes now. And we did this one. Is that it? Okay. Um, so this was Pat's last session with us, so... As a special thanks for sharing your experience, strength, and hope, and a couple of curse words <laughs> uh, these past three months, we have, a, we have a couple of special gifts for you. So the first gift is it's a refrigerator magnet, Li- limited edition. Yeah. So now your truck doesn't have to be the only thing labeled AA. Um, and second, we have this limited edition coffee mug. And I think there's some special surprises in there, too. There's, yeah, that's also your Christmas gift. You're welcome. <laughs> All right, so we meet every Thursday starting promptly at 7.15, and we ask that you be courteous and ready to begin at the sound of the bells. And then lastly, we have a 75-foot no-smoking, no-vape zone in front of the doors. Uh, so when you leave here tonight, don't smoke or vape until you get down to the end here there's some smoke buckets set up and please put your cigarette butts in the smoke buckets that'd be very helpful and that's it i'll see you next week we also have tonight's session all of the past speaker podcasts online for free at alcoholicsandgod.org i'd like to invite everyone to our monday night big book study And those who wish to thank tonight's speakers, please sign up down the center aisle. I'd like to also mention that next Thursday we have Marion starting her speaker step series. So we look forward to that. And let's close with the Lord's Prayer. Our Father.
smiling The whole Smiles with you Yes, when you laughing When you're laughing Yes, the sun Comes shining through But when you're crying You bring on the rain Stop your singing, baby And be happy again Yes, and keep on smiling Keep on smiling, baby And I hope Shine, shine, shine. 
Chase, here's that song you've been asking me for for a million years. I finally pulled it out the pulled it out the corners of my mind, and um, here you go.
nothing could come song is. God bless. I love you, Mike Chase. Bye.